0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Podcast of the Planet of the Apes. Today's episode is.
1: Episode 4 Conquest of the Planet of the Apes.
0: Hi, everybody, this is Andrew. Yeah, and this is Joe. And welcome to Podcasts of the Planet of the Apes. Today's episode, of course, is Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Right, Joe?
1: Yes, it is. Yes, it is. What a fantastic
0: film. I loved it. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's It had been a while since I'd seen this one, so it was a nice revisit. Today we had some pretty cool guests, right?
1: Yeah, we had uh, my good friend Tim and his buddy Steve on. Really great conversation going on
0: there. Oh yeah, it was uh, very kinetic, very crazy. A lot to discuss with this film. A lot of segues, a lot of talk about a lot of different things. A lot of Star Wars prequel talk um acapella groups acapella groups that a lot of acapella talk pants really just kind of everything that you would think of without further ado i hope you guys really do enjoy this episode hey joe we've got some pretty cool guests today don't we
1: yeah we do we've got uh, my good friend tim simpson and
2: his good friend steve i would say that steve's everybody's good friend but yeah hey how's it going guys i'm tim this is my speaking voice
3: it's great to be here thanks for having us guys
2: This is definitely our first intro. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. This is the fourth time we've recorded it. But I'm very excited to talk to you guys today about uh, The Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, a movie that I watched. uh, It is the fourth movie in... Fourth or third, fourth movie in the Planet of the Apes chronology, and the quintology. Quintology, uh, and it is the first of any of the Planet of the Apes movies that I have ever seen in my life. So I have none context, and I am ready to fucking go. I'm an expert. Wonderful.
1: Yeah, that is a that is some man, an expert. He says, okay,
0: an expert. Steve, how about you?
3: I had seen the original Planet of the Apes uh, about fifteen years ago, so I, I have vague memories of that. <laughs> And then I just jumped right ahead to Conquest of the Planet of the Apes.
0: Awesome. So Joe and I just kind of do a quick rundown of what happens in Conquest of the Planet of the Apes. And then we'll uh, start a discussion. This movie picks up about 20 years after the previous film. So we're in the far future of 1991. Very far. Very far where everyone can watch
2: television on like a Zordon bubble screen. Um, using, a, using a plastered JPEG that they, they superimpose right on the fucking screen. The
1: the future is so cool. I don't know about you guys, but I had one of those in the 90s.
2: Essentially,
0: we start off with Milo, who's now renamed Caesar and Armando. Beautiful Ricardo Montalban. Ricardo Montalban. He's an amazing man. He's very good in this, and I love him. Caesar and him go to the big city, where for some reason we get a lot of exposition of what has happened in the last 20 years, because apparently... Even though Armando has been raising Caesar, he hasn't told him anything about the outside world.
1: Yeah, pretty weird. Pretty weird when it comes to that. It's a, it's a good way for people who have never seen any Planet of the Apes movies, at least, that it gives them that whole context of what the hell's been going on.
0: Definitely of the last film, specifically.
1: Of course, you know, montaban doesn't know anything about Charlton Heston's character or anything that happened there, but at least mm-hmm. it gives you that good baseline from what happened into the third movie, which is... Once again, phenomenal.
0: Yes. So in the third movie, Cornelius warns the government essentially that not really warns them, but tells them about the downfall of man and how a plague wipes out pets. And so we now see that this plague has actually happened much sooner than it would have originally and that pets have died out. Humans now have apes as their servants and they're pretty much abusive towards them. So Caesar gets stuck in in the town, he gets separated from Armando, Armando gets caught by the police. Caesar then hides within society with the governor of this city and essentially Caesar starts an uprising and there's a riot and it's a conquest and on the planet them, of the apes. On the planet of the apes. That's essentially the 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 big gist of the film.
2: Hey hey, can I can I uh Can I interject about something real quick about that?
0: Yeah. Yeah, go for it.
2: A lot of people, a lot of people, humans on that planet of the apes. Wasn't exactly (laughs) a planet of the apes. It was more like people planet with some kind of smart apes on it that I'll be real. Weren't that smart. Not that smart. Well, Tim
3: seemed a bit of a planet planet of a, of a a lot of different species. I don't know why we have to the apes.
1: So to be fair in the future, Is where the Planet of the Apes actually is. This is actually kind of the precursor to that 3000 year ahead future. The Mm -hmm. timeline was exacerbated because of what happened in the third movie. Right.
0: There was time travel in the third film where they went back in time and started the events that would lead to the original film.
2: (laughs) So here's the thing about that.
0: Yeah. Oh, boy.
2: I didn't fucking know that (laughs) 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 everything that everything that you're explaining about the plot is is new information for Steve and I. Yeah,
0: correct. Yes. So
2: they mention it
0: very, very briefly throughout the film that two incredibly intelligent apes came back through time in a spaceship. Yes.
3: In
0: 1973. Yes. And that they were assassinated and oh, that they like weren't supposed child. to have right they weren't supposed to have a child and this is the child from that far future where the apes are the dominant species and man is not
1: basically hunted and captured and tested
0: like animals and used as servants and stuff and they can't talk humans can't talk anymore in the future
2: oh so they do a little switcheroo right there mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. so Tell this you is me, kind you of really watch the
1: first one it's it's yeah. <laughs> amazing you should really watch the first one
2: yeah, but then this wouldn't be as fun. That's true. <laughs> well, after we're done here. Maybe. Who's to say? Jump
3: to the Tim Burton one, I think.
2: Oh, right? my God. Y- you
3: guys would recommend that, right? That's for Tim. Just just watch the Tim Burton one instead.
0: Tim, I'll talk to you after class.
3: We'll, we'll yeah, we'll talk. To I opened you. a wound. I'm sorry.
0: Honestly, I feel like if you're going to watch any of them, maybe go ahead. If you don't have, like, a history with the originals, maybe just go ahead and watch the new trilogy. The new trilogy essentially is a remake of this film and the next film. And they kind of show about the uprising of the apes again, but in a more realistic approach, it's not just a plague that wipes out just pets. It also wipes out humanity.
1: And if you listen to the episode prior to this, uh, our previous guest, Beth actually brings up, you know, the only pets are not just dogs and cats, but that's the only ones apparently that
0: humans care about in 1991. (laughs) right they weren't going to make it the planet of the ferrets but i would watch that i would watch that as well i would i would not i would not all right everybody thank you for tuning in to today's episode (laughs) of podcasts of the planet of the ferrets
2: um yeah basically basically comes comes back from the future and then shenanigans uh you know occur that's not the movie that we thought we were watching. (laughs) <laughs> Hell, all right no no steve do you want to like start explaining what we thought was happening or
3: sure well we took down some notes we did and uh first thing first thing that really jumped out at us was uh these these apes were in prison you know uh mm-hmm. you know they're walking around and i i had seen i had seen the charlton heston version years ago so i i knew the basic gist that there were highly intelligent apes and Charlton Heston had gone to the planet and et cetera, et cetera. I don't want to spoil anything, but,
0: uh, hold up, hold up, hold up. By gone to the planet. Do you mean that he went to the future or do you think that he was on another planet?
3: He's on earth. I know he went to the future. Okay.
2: All right. Okay, good. Just making sure. In Charlton Heston's eyes, he wasn't on another planet because he went to the future. Well, not to the future. He was in space and then he came back and the planet was filled with the monkeys, Right. By apes, yeah.
1: monkeys, yeah, yeah, Mon- the, monkeys. Uh, uh, as we the... learned,
0: as we learned in earlier Planet of the Apes films, monkeys
2: is it, uh, not the yeah. You're not oh, supposed sorry. to say monkeys. I'm so I'm so sorry. Um, no, that's okay. This was, so this you're ignorant. Kind of we, okay. We, I, it, <laughs> I am ignorant. But this is actually another thing that we did notice about this uh, movie is that there were a lot of political overtones in the movie that oh, yeah. actually hold up real strong today. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that was very interesting for a movie that was made in like what year was this 72 72. right 72 yeah basically so what we have we have ricardo montabon caesar caesar is a future ape he travels to the past with ricardo montabon because (laughs) what we got (laughs) what we got from the first scene was that apes are taking human jobs and human waiters want their jobs back
3: yes the apes are doing a bad job the apes aren't doing an adequate
2: job. The apes are doing a good job and they're taking all the human jobs. That's what we gathered from that scene. There were some scenes about like waiters. No, there was some signs about waiters in that big protest in the beginning of the movie. Yes. So uh-huh. all, the, all, the, all the waiters on earth are mad at the apes because they want their jobs back. Donald Trump gets a message about Caesar in, in 20 years prior. So he kills a baby, but he doesn't kill the baby. And then he wants to neuter all the apes
3: he kills the wrong baby ape
2: yes so that he so that they can't you know go out and make the planet of the apes
3: this is where things got kind of tricky for us because it you know yeah. uh, we would think that if they want to avoid the apes you know taking over and and and, what, and becoming highly intelligent that they wouldn't be teaching them like basic yeah, you know, human things like pouring thing. glasses of water correctly or, or or doing all that you know there was like a whole montage of this and we were like why are you guys ingratiating them more into human society
2: exactly like if you're really afraid of them then you wouldn't be teaching these guys how to do like like Mr president you're gonna make Caesar fix your drink and Caesar's the smart one Caesars poison you he wasn't even the president he was just a,
1: a governor too no, sh- she was
2: no, that was that was the president um, and anyway, at this point, Ricardo Montaban got in with that big group that also doubled as Ricardo a acapella group. Yeah, yeah. Um, and from what we were gathering was that they were infighting over whether or not Ricardo Montaban was evil and whether or not he should still be allowed to do the big solo at the concert at the end of the month. That happened and they decided that Ricardo Montaban should be silenced. They ended up killing him. That confused me because I was like, that was the that was the guy. They just killed like the big guy in this movie. And I thought it was really early on and then I realized that there was only like 20 minutes left in the movie. And I was like, wow, this is a long movie and not a lot has happened. But what I really want to talk about, the plot what movie plot. did you watch? Yeah, what did you guys watch? Did you watch an episode of Fantasy Island? Listen, 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 this is this was Conquest of the Planet.
3: Let's,
2: yes. yes. <laughs> These are just notes that Steve and I took about this movie.
3: Uh, oh okay so yeah nobody had ties yes
2: nobody in this movie wore
3: ties all all the humans dressed dressed in a very particular way it was very very dark shades turtlenecks and you know like jackets you know uh nothing no no ties
0: as was the fashion at the time
2: yes of the 90s the note that i have here was nobody's wearing ties because it's illegal to wear ties in 1991 it was outlawed by george bush <laughs> yeah yeah we'll- so that's that
3: george um, bush outlawed the ties
2: there was the scene in which caesar made a really big deal out of the fact that he could wash his hands really well like better than all the other apes could wash his hands but my main point that i really want to talk about and i think that this is this movie is very problematic and the reason that i think it's problematic it's because it didn't bring light into the situation. There's a scene where Caesar, who is fully clothed.
3: Oh, yes, yes. I want that to bring this up. So you go ahead. Go ahead.
2: Fully clothed. He decides, uh, uh, according to Ricardo Montalbos plan, he's going to infiltrate a uh, an ape servantry trade, slave trade, and he's going to get bought by like someone high in the government or whatever. Right. So at this point, he sneaks into a <laughs> Sneaks into a factory where for some reason there is just an unguarded crate cage of uh, naked uh, orange orangutans. Uh, orangutans. Yes. Who looked like roasted coconuts. They had their fur had that. Yeah. Their fur had the consistency of roasted coconuts. And
3: th- their faces were much worse than all other ape faces, I should say. And, I, and I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to, you know, hate on orangutans or anything, but it, it looked like them the masks were sliding off.
2: They really skimped out on the masks of everyone who wasn't a regular ape. There was one point that I looked at some of the, cause there's like the three types. There's the orangutans, there's the apes and then there's the gorillas that I saw. And then there's the chimpanzees who are played by real chimpanzees. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the gorillas were straight up just people wearing Halloween gorilla masks. Um, so I thought that was great. But Caesar sees these apes. And now it's not uncommon. You've seen a couple times in this, in this movie, apes wearing clothes that are still in captivity, right? Like, can we establish that for a second? Yes. Yes. Caesar decides the best way to bond in is to get butt ass naked.
3: Yeah. And he, he hops paid. right into that cage, you know, they, r- they, they discuss
0: that. Yes. They, they actually bring that up. Uh, Armando Ricardo Monteban tells him that if he were to sneak in, that any new apes would not be wearing clothing. Yes, um, yes. because they are coming straight from the jungle. So that's why he takes it off. And then later in the film, we find out that that was from a specific jungle that would not have chimpanzees, which is why it leads them to believe that, oh, why would the shipment of orangutans have a chimpanzee in there? So he does take it off for a specific reason
2: yes i know he does but <laughs> he does it oh, no. right in front of the fucking orangutans so yeah, that means no this, modesty. In, the, in the in the eyes of these hyper intelligent orangutans let's say like this that's what they are at some point they start fucking shooting guns and using tools and making fires and stuff like that all they see is this guy walk up to them
3: <laughs> rip off his clothing yeah
2: rip off his clothes and then just go into the cage with them and just be like hey 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 hey
3: you know it's great because you have you have to be wondering in the orangutans mind maybe they're thinking oh here's here's a one of us he's gonna let us out you know he's gonna free us from (laughs) servitude." but no instead he just rips off his clothing opens the latch (laughs) steps inside locks the latch again and is like hey dudes be chill about this and the orangutans, understandably, were kind of throwing a bit of a fit. They were like, what the? They didn't speak. Uh, only only Caesar could speak at this point. But, but I imagine they were thinking, like, the fuck is this guy doing, man?
2: You had a chance and you just, who is this guy? You blew it. So they take Caesar at this point and they bring him into the big fucking thing. I'm not done. <laughs> I'm not fucking done. Cause it's at this point where we realize two two very very important things. First one being jails in this world are not jails, they're they're nightclubs and they're rave.
3: They're a bit of a rave, yeah.
2: The second that he gets into that shit, you got the fucking lights going on in the back, you got the disco lights going, it's red and green and blue. Monkeys are black, jumping all, all over
3: the place. place. They're having There's a nice time dancing. They had nice and amenities. Had- Do you remember that? They had they had like playgrounds
1: they're being tortured yeah they're being completely tortured
0: there's a flamethrower being used on them
3: but there's also a jungle gym there's friend. also a
0: jungle gym right but they show them like electrocuting the chimps into into submission or death while industrial music was playing in the background
3: so it seemed it seemed a bit like a like a goth type of thing
0: we we've all been to a work concert but <laughs> We know the dark side of it. Listen,
2: <laughs> I can't. Um, but yeah, Joe, 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 you actually brought up a really good point, and this is actually the main point that I want to go through, which is the hierarchy of weaponry in the police force of the conquest of the of the eighth. So you have you have a hierarchy of weapons. Um, you have first off, fist. They hit them, beat up. Right.
3: Good starting point, in my opinion. You know, you start you start with what you get
2: that's it just this you work your way up up next what do you got you got the johnny stick apes getting a little bit too much out of control
3: smack them around
2: with the baton yeah, yeah yeah makes sense makes sense cool the next logical step is the next logical step the fucking flamethrower right that is yeah. the next thing that they decide to throw at these apes if they get out of line they don't hit them anymore they don't tase them or anything they just bring out a goddamn flamethrower which if you think about it really goddamn counterproductive to trying to keep anything in captivity because you're gonna burn the shit out of it and it's gonna die
1: correct (laughs) that is that is my only answer yeah correct you are right on that point it's a it's a torture chamber the the police force in this film they
0: are Nazis. Well, yes, uh, they dress like Nazis, but that wasn't a jail.
1: Correct. Yes, that was the reconditioning center.
0: Yes. Got So it. that was to train them. Ooh. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got so it. that was where they were kind of like brainwashing them, training them to do specific things, um, training them to be afraid of fire. So this way, you know, if they're a waiter and they're dumb, and they light the thing on fire. They realize that fire bad, essentially.
1: Now, Tim, to to bring back what you were talking about in terms of the makeup and the effects for the outside apes, uh, outside of Caesar and Lisa and the other other main apes that you see up close, that is a consistent theme throughout all of the other Planet of the Apes films. Yes. They do skimp on the effects because they're more background fodder. Right.
0: As each one comes out, they have less and less of a budget. So now that we're on to the, now that we're on to the fourth one, the budget's pretty low. Okay, I want to bring up something real quick before we kind of move on. Why did you think Ricardo Montalban was part of a acapella group?
2: So he was in the group with the five other guys. What do you do when you're in a room alone with five other guys? Have you ever been in a room alone with five other guys in which you didn't start singing a cappella? I mean,
3: it just seemed like the obvious answer to
2: us. He was being interrogated. No, 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 no. This is before he, the interrogation.
3: He wanted a, he want yeah.
2: Yeah, this is before the interrogation. Before the movie started?
3: No, no, no. They were all dressed very similarly, too. So it seemed like some sort of a, a uniform. Like, Yeah.
0: Is this when he's handing out the flyers?
1: What you're talking about when they very first capture him and before they put him under that glow light and make him talk?
2: Before they put him under the glow light. Yes. They, they start talking about their acapella group and whether or not Ricardo Montalban was allowed to sing the big solo now that he's been arrested.
0: So your assumption yeah. is that in any film... Yes, when there are five men specifically, or just people? No, it has to be men. Five men. specifically men.
3: Um, men. yeah. They
0: are in an acapella group. Yes. Okay. What is the plot of *Glengarry Glen Ross*? Steve, I'm gonna let you answer
2: this because that's your favorite movie.
3: Yeah, yeah. So *Glengarry Glen Ross* is a movie about a bunch of guys um, getting ready for the big competition for nationals, and and they're really getting uh, they their it's kind of like they're infighting over who's going to get the you know the lead vocal on the uh, you know the song, and so
2: I think it was O Fortuna.
3: No, 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 An acapella group would never sing O Fortuna. I'm
2: trying to. It's I don't I don't know what whack acapella you seeing that doesn't try to tackle O Fortuna.
3: You're, you're watching very right, dude, What, what that, that's not the point of the the point of the movie. You know, it's it's not really about the song, but it's about the interactions between everybody trying to prove that they're the best. Uh, vocalist
2: really okay yeah nope you nailed it yeah that's all all four of them try to be the best vocalist glenn and gary and glenn and ross ross yeah god damn it uh, okay Fantastic. so that, that was an... and that's why so that's why also the avengers didn't qualify for the best uh they, they, had a girl. they had a girl they had a girl on the team so they, they couldn't could not qualify sing. as an a cappella group
3: also, Hulk did not match their their uniform. Hulk would not yes, wear the Hulk, uniform.
2: Hulk refused.
3: Uh, which is a no-no, huge no-no. You
0: you realize that women can be in acapella groups, right?
3: Yes,
2: but yeah. not in the Planet of the Apes.
3: No, no.
0: Yeah, Joe, do you want to reel this in? I, I I my brain just cracked in half, <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, uh, let let's let's bring
1: it back a little bit. Um, I am going to bring it into budget. As Andrew was talking about that the budget for the previous film was two million five hundred thousand. The budget for this was one million seven hundred thousand, so they you know they they dropped down they dropped down and they didn't
3: really make back
1: the full amount when it came to that uh, when it came to this movie uh-huh. Pretty interesting, oh really actually. yeah
2: what was can you hit me with what was the budget of the first one again?
1: the very first film
2: or or the last yeah what no yeah what was the budget for?
1: For Planet of the I Apes,
2: think a good tell would probably be what the budget for the second one was, because the first one was very successful, right? So obviously they're going to want to throw a little. The bit first one was successful, the but the second
0: one they kind of did just throw it up against the wall, really, kind of see what stuck. So they did, they did, uh, lower the budget for the second film.
2: Wow. Okay, that's very interesting. I would think that they would want to make money on a second movie. You'd think that. Um, you would but- <laughs> think, but you really you really gotta think back.
0: The first film was nineteen sixty-eight. Not a lot of franchises around this time. Very, very true. So I think they're kind of experimenting with a lot of stuff. So the very first movie was five million eight hundred. That was the that was the first movie. Uh
1: second movie, the beneath the planet of the apes, which I can't believe somehow in every single episode we have now talked about this this freaking movie mm-hmm. was three million estimated
2: okay and then this one was how much again One million seven hundred. One million seven hundred. so basically they they put it together with i mean that's not nothing but for a movie budget that's pretty
1: movie budget 1972
2: and right, let's let's just see 1972 uh what are, other... are you looking up the inflation no, 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 no! Oh, okay. I'm calculating it in my head. That's what Tim is just yeah. saying. I'm looking up sci-fi movies that also came out in 1972. 1972 was the year that uh, Richard Nixon announced the uh, the space shuttle program, so that counts as sci-fi.
3: That's a real sci-fi. Um, there's there's yeah. Solaris, but that's Russian. Uh, there's Soylent Green was like the the year after Man. Westworld. There's a couple. Those are a couple of sci-fi's from that time.
2: You know what? There's actually not that much. There was Slaughterhouse Five, Silent Running, CPG, uh, but where the Blob, which was a sequel to The Blob. The Blob, yeah. That's really it.
0: Sci-fi wasn't really the big genre at the time. Yeah. You're going back to the seventies now, you probably have more like cowboy films, spaghetti westerns, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So you're really not seeing a lot of sci-fi. And this is again almost a decade before Star Wars. Yeah. And the revival of Star Trek. Star Trek was canceled by 1968. So you've already kind of gone past the prime of that golden age of sci fi. All you really get now are B movies, really low budget kind of stuff. Very interesting. Very interesting. So Planet of the Apes was not like along those lines. Like it was pretty much the big sci fi franchise at
3: the time. Was the first Planet of the Apes based on a book?
0: Yes. It was based off of a French novel, and it doesn't really follow the book that much, honestly. Yeah. Um The book is a lot more science fiction-y. Yeah, I, I started reading the book uh, recently for this podcast, and uh, it definitely has a completely different vibe. Definitely more of like a Star Trek kind of vibe to it. Huh. Interesting.
2: I'm i'm looking up a lot of like just stupid sci-fi trivia from the year 1972 and the only sure. thing that i could find uh of any significance was in 1972 george lucas and uh ron howard <laughs> had a conversation about maybe talking about what star wars might be <laughs> and that was five years before the movie was called released so
0: uh- well, uh, Opie, uh, I was thinking uh, maybe in about uh, over forty-five years from now, uh, if you want to uh, do a prequel, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was the exact conversation.
2: That was that was it. He said, oh, "Hey, was that? That, that was, was yeah,
3: like, that
2: was the recording." Forty-five he called years. him Opie, and um, <laughs> in about forty-five years, I want you to direct a spin-off movie starring a, an actor who nobody knows. About a story that nobody wants uh that would
0: uh that would be great if you could do that uh also uh can I tell you about pod racing
2: uh, oh Jesus so... Lord
0: <laughs> so yeah no he was he was ahead of the game tell us all about um, uh well uh the power of uh myth Corians. <laughs> God what did you guys think about Caesar himself I'm just gonna kind of spear us back in
2: yeah yeah I I thought that um, it was really interesting to watch. Actually, let's so I'm actually going to be serious for a second. It was really interesting to watch um, the actor who played Caesar and his physicality, because you can tell that the character Caesar, like you guys said, he was from the future. So he was a more developed ape, ape. He was a little bit further along. So he was like used to. Not exactly walking upright, but walking more upright than like some of these apes. So it was actually really interesting to see the actor as Caesar watching himself walking upright, realizing, no, I have to crouch more, but not because he's having difficulty pretending to be an ape as an actor, but because he's an actor having difficulty playing a character who's having difficulty pretending to be an ape, even though he is an ape. I just thought that that was really interesting. I thought that Caesar really, really drove the show. uh, And obviously that's because one, he's the main character, but he was, he's a really, the dude really, really put his all into that performance. I want to say, which is kind of funny because of the quality of the movie. It was really weird. It was almost as if he was in a different movie than some of the other actors. Well,
3: I'm going to, I'm going to chime in real quick. Uh, I knew that was Roddy McDowell. And I know Roddy Mm -hmm. McDowell is... A great actor, and he was—he's—he was in the first Planet of the Apes, and so when the movie started, I actually thought that was the same character. Before I realized this is the son of Cornelius, mm-hmm. so so there was a bit of confusion there at first. You know, I was wondering why he seemed so uh, different. He seemed meeker, you know,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
3: and I wanted a—the thing I really noticed, uh, in all seriousness, was Caesar starting out as this meek sort of you know what do you mean what's going on i don't i don't understand this sort of character to leading an army and leading a revolution
2: and that that last scene is what really kind of blew me away because steve steve and i when we watch movies we really love like talking through it and we love joking around (laughs) (laughs) like steve and i have watched countless countless movies together I completely stopped riffing with Steve once uh, Caesar started doing his monologue at the end because I was really drawn into it. I thought, like, is this a bit much? Because the tone of it was drastically different than yes. the rest of the movie. The, the 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 rest of the movie is, I wouldn't say bright, but it's kind of like, it's a dystopian movie that's I felt that it was afraid to get more dystopian. And it could have been because of the budget. It could have been because of... I don't know the time uh, and the quality of the effects that were available at the time. But I felt like it was a dystopian movie that was too afraid to get dystopian. And then the very last scene happened. And I was like, I wish the rest of the movie was like this because his scene was so that just the passion in his monologue, how nuts he went talking about like, this is, you know, where there's flame, there's fire getting into, um, how this was a spark that was going to start the the uprising on five continents because even if people aren't going to be able to do it they're going to be able to like start the movement and get it going and they're gonna they're gonna stop if they have to but not everyone's gonna stop and it's gonna keep going and it was really really interesting to see the his psychology i guess of this character who this entire movie is trying to play Dumb. So I, I just thought that that scene was really great, and it was very, very, very well acted.
3: And then it's followed, of course, it's followed by another incredibly poignant moment of of Lisa mm-hmm. being the second ape to ever speak. It's in opposition of what Caesar is saying. Yes, and I thought that was pretty brilliant. You know, I, that's
0: I, kind of what snaps him out mm-hmm. of it because at that point he's essentially talking about acting like the humans bringing himself yeah. down to the beast that is humans and she's the one that stands up and you know says the one word that all the oppressors have been saying to them which is no
2: yeah and then he completely backs down on it he's just yeah. like but we will not do this today maybe tomorrow
0: <laughs> small
1: correction so caesar was never in the future he was actually born in the past and he was born and uh, given to ricardo Montalban essentially in his circus and oh, all of them right. know he could, yes. knew he could talk. Yes. He knew all this stuff. So being that meeker character and actually hunching over was something that he knew and something that he had seen from the chimpanzees in the circus and all that stuff that was going on there. So he was never in that future, and he is the catalyst of that future. And I actually said to Andrew at one point, "I'm like, is is he going to be his own?" is he going to be his own grandfather? Like, is he going to give birth to Cornelius and, and, uh, Hera? it's a
3: Kyle Reese type of situation. Yeah.
1: Like, do we have that going on right here? Honestly, I don't know. It's not. okay. No. Good. So Andrew's, <laughs> Andrew's going to squash that right now. And, uh, like Roddy McDowell, I highly recommend just looking into some of his other work and even watching some YouTube videos of the man. He's, he's really fantastic. Uh, he, he's really big in the Batman scene too, which is amazing. He's Really? Yeah. In uh, 1960s Batman, he was a character called Bookworm. Oh, my favorite. The, yeah, he, <laughs> he's awesome. And in the Batman the Animated Series, he was the Mad Hatter uh, throughout the entirety of, of that series. So he's he's big in the Batman scene. If you've seen the movie Fright Night. Yes. Uh, he was in that. He's He's really great. And this movie is his movie. Like, this is his thing. Uh, Andrew correct me if i'm wrong like wasn't he doing some rewrites with this movie
0: or no was i wrong on that one I don't know about that he he was in the first planet of the apes and the third and this one he wasn't in the second one Thank um God. because that movie's terrible uh hmm. but he played cornelius in the first and the third film this is his franchise essentially like so the next film he continues as caesar so we'll see him again one more time throughout this podcast and then I want to say he played a different ape. There was a television series as well.
3: Yes, I'm, I actually, I looked that up. Yeah, he he played, uh, I think, Gallon, Gal, Galvin? Something he, like he that, He played an yeah. ape in the, in the 70s TV show.
0: Oh, I can't wait till we get to that.
2: Yeah, that one's going to be interesting. It's going to be a spinoff where it's just Steve and I talking about those. <laughs> <laughs> but we're not going to watch any of the episodes, we're just going to talk about what we think it was about based on the title of the episode. Yes. Right. That's a fantastic oh, idea. This one's
0: just called The Five Apes. Well, it's got to mm-hmm. be an acapella yes. group.
2: Acapella. Acapella.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the Apes discover acapella and then of course get into a fight as they're gearing up for nationals. As any great acapella story.
2: What song do you think it was that Ricardo Montalban was going to sing that he got Human. told he you-
3: To human by the killers,
2: human by the killers, (laughs) they
3: they made a big stink about it. He was out there, someone, uh, you know, and and uh, they kept saying while he was you know in that thing, they said, human, human, and he was like, I don't want to sing human by the killers, it's not in my range.
0: But (laughs) so, um, I'm glad though that you guys uh did at least appreciate Roddy McDowell and Caesar. Uh, I think we can can all kind of agree, he's kind of the shining light of this
2: film. I actually really did appreciate Ricardo. Mont- I know I I kid about He was Ricardo. really like, yeah, good in this. Lost, yeah. But yeah, Ricardo Montalban's the man. Like he really he really did shine in this too. He I feel like he and 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 uh Roddy. I feel like they were like in their own movie in a way and like just were chilling doing their own thing, being the best damn actors they could be and everyone around them was kind of, you know, dragging along but i feel like they they really did any of the scenes that they were in i know there were not a lot of scenes that they were not in Mm -hmm. any of the scenes that they were in i was just like well i'm keeping my eyes on ricardo or i'm keeping my eyes on this guy they really really stole the show in the in the best kind of way
3: well i think ricardo ricardo actually uh exits far earlier than i thought that he
2: was yeah 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 he did
3: he jumps right out that window and then he's he's a i there'd be a little bit more but he was gone after
2: that it's been a
0: while since i had seen this one and i actually thought that he died much earlier So i was kind of surprised at how long he was in it
2: in the rules of the marvel cinematic universe Cardo of Montalban is still alive no body no death so he's still out there somewhere i'm pretty sure he's dead
1: oh no yeah he's totally
0: dead
2: he fell out a window yeah um
0: they said caesar was dead too oh i'm sorry
2: yeah that's actually a really good point they say caesar was dead and he fucking caused the entire thing so i don't think that your argument exactly holds up but it doesn't disprove my argument so i think we're at a <laughs> neutral point where we could both agree that he's still alive
3: i guess we'll have to see in the fifth one
0: <laughs> spoiler alert he's not in the fifth one um, <laughs> you didn't notice him in the background no i guess not When they're auctioning off the apes, $800 for a chimp seems pretty cheap.
2: Yeah, that's actually, that was one thing that Steve and I both said was there was a a point where Caesar grabs the mic like a good DJ does. He grabs the mic in that booth and he's like, guards, there's $50,000 worth of apes in this room and they need to get out unharmed. But there's
3: a ton of apes.
2: Yeah, that doesn't seem like that much money. There's like, there's like a hundred, there's like at least... At least like three hundred apes in that building. That's it. That's cheap, yeah. man. That's
0: real cheap. I don't know. Well, we don't know what the economy was like in there. Nineteen ninety. Oh yeah. Well, actually,
2: let's see what what nineteen ninety one. How much was it? Eight hundred dollars.
0: Eight hundred dollars is where they started the auction at. Eight
2: hundred dollars. Nineteen I
0: believe he was sold for fifteen hundred,
3: one thousand.
0: Yes. Yes, correct.
3: To be fair, how much is an ape? I'm I'm not sure how much an ape
1: costs. I don't know if we should really be Googling that because I... what'll happen is we'll get put on a list and then that'll be it, and then we'll be living in nineteen ninety-one.
3: If you preface it by saying hypothetically.
0: Okay. Hypothetically, how much is Jane Goodall worth? <laughs> And then just divide that by however many apes she has on her land. 72, right? It was
2: the movie came out in 72. Mm -hmm.
3: Yes.
0: So I thought you knew off the top of your head how many apes Jink Goodall had. (laughs) And you're like 72, right? 72. 72." 72?
1: Well, while Tim is looking that up, I do want to bring up a couple of the other you know, honorable mention in terms of actors. So like Armando, Ricardo Montalban, fantastic, Roddy McDowell. And I really thought that Harry Rhodes, Malcolm McDonald, did a phenomenal job. He was the assistant yes. to Wreck. I thought that guy was was pretty great. Um, pretty I much the you...
0: only other human that was nice to apes
3: other than yes, Armando. Yes, I thought he did great as well.
1: Yeah, you know, and Roddy was so passionate about Planet of the Apes that he went on the Carol Burnett show dressed as cornelius which was pretty awesome too i watched a video of that earlier today
0: that's awesome what did you guys think of the actual like uprising itself it gets pretty violent it does to the point where they they pretty much just have like knives and hatchets and machetes to attack the humans one thing i noticed that i thought was kind of cool was that while they do steal the guns from the police they um, never only, only caesar fires it
2: Yes, I thought that they needed to hire a better fight choreographer. Do you
0: think I see I think the reason why they they filmed this like in the dark of night was to yeah. try to God. uh hide the masks. They
2: didn't do a very good job of it. I, actually, a you know what? Job. I will I will say this. The masks were not the thing that bothered me during the riot. The thing that bothered me was um have you ever seen, uh, not to bring up Star Wars again, but uh, in, in The Last Jedi, in the big throne scene where all the red guys attack, what's it called, Ben Solo and Rey, uh, not Skywalker? Yes. Remember how if you slow that scene down, you can see like a bunch of those dudes just like doing weird shit and like that taking hits that not yeah. like hitting themselves and like just moving around in ways that seem unnatural or it's like there's an opening and they're gonna strike, uh, then they don't. I saw a lot of that. There was literally one part that I loved. I loved it so much that I was like, hey, I hope you do this again. And then they did it again. Um, Basically, at one point, one of the apes is sitting on a ledge. And there's about a three-foot drop from the ledge. And the ape doesn't get pushed. He doesn't get shoved. He doesn't get kicked or anything. He just lies down on the ledge and then barrel rolls himself off. (laughs) And I was like, wow, that's really, really funny. I hope that they do something like that again. And then immediately after, like 2 seconds later, the same ledge gets filmed again and another <laughs> another ape does the same fucking thing. He just lies there and he just rolls barrel rolls himself off of the goddamn ledge. No push, no contact, nothing. He just goes down.
0: I don't know. Maybe that's just something that's fun for apes.
2: Well, he's probably he's probably having a great time during this raid, <laughs> during this conquest of the planet of the apes. Something
3: that something that bothered me, uh, and it bothers me in a lot of a lot of you know bothers me in Westworld, bothers me in everything is is when the opposing side is almost too stupid or too weak, like too easily overcome. And so, like for example, in the in that part that we called it the wraith but really the the uh, rehabilitation center or anything they had mm. the flamethrowers they had all these weapons but then in the fight they're fire- you know they're
2: shooting with these tiny little pistols
0: yeah i noticed that too <laughs>
2: yes yes we we made a big joke about that goddamn line of pistols um yeah <laughs> that was so that was cheesy and that wasn't cheesy in like a good way that was like Maybe they couldn't afford enough like replica rifles. Yeah, like I don't know. It was just very weird.
0: You guys mentioned that like, oh, it seems unreasonable that humans would accept apes within like their homes and everything and start training them to be their pets and their their lackeys, their slaves, essentially, because you know, they mentioned that, you know, the uprising might come is what these two apes from the future said. And Well, why would they go ahead and do this? I think that's kind of just the hubris of man is being like, well, you know, we taught them to do this. They're pretty good at it. And all they get is raisins, you know, for tips. So we might as well just keep using them and, you know, work them into (laughs) submission. But there is that thing where they are doing the tests and they are seeing that the intelligence is rising within the apes. So when those orangutans at the beginning are first being shipped in, they're not that intelligent. So yeah, maybe they thought it was kind of weird that this one dude is ripping off his clothes and coming in, but they haven't been within the society yet where it's showing that their intelligence is improving. Yes, I I guess you are correct with that. So I think that that was kind of something that i think is shown throughout and that caesar is starting to take advantage of because without even saying a word the other apes start to realize that he's the alpha yeah and they totally bow down to him and they're totally following in order and he's a good leader i guess so um
2: yeah yeah i would agree with you he's a very a very charismatic leader he speak real good
0: yeah he even like thinks though like there's one part where they're getting weapons from the other apes that are all stealing like knives and stuff like that and someone brings him like a can opener or something and he's just like oh uh you know thanks and then just kind of throws it to the side he didn't want to hurt the ape's feelings because at least the ape was trying to do his job so it kind of just showed he's probably putting up with a lot of dumb things right now (laughs) but (laughs) yeah but the best way to to get them around to him is to be nice to them. There's
1: definitely something I want to bring up in regards to, uh, and I think Tim, you had actually brought this up a little bit earlier was with it. when they were talking, when you were talking about the reconditioning and, you know, he's washing his hands and he's showing that it's like that he's the best at washing his hands and he's the best at pouring the, the clay and he's helping the other eight. Pour. Yeah. During a time of being forced into slavery, they play the most playful music. They really do ever. Yeah. Like they like so they go from a time of playing this like really playful music. So I do see where you're coming from of like, wow, they're really this, this is a weird tone that they're trying to set for slavery. And then they go into the 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 riots and the, the the big scene at the end. And then that silence is deafening. Yes. There's one scene where it's just complete silence. Between the the officers and the apes, and I'm like, man, this is this is a hell of a thing. And if they said that this took place in 2020 and not 1991, I would have been like, sure. (laughs)
0: Yep, that's outside. Um, Yeah, I think that kind of falls in in the tone, the previous film as well, Joe, where you kind of have this almost lighthearted kind of romp. This one's definitely not as lighthearted, but it's definitely played for a kitschy kind of vibe to it where they're like, well, isn't this future weird where everyone's got apes as pets, you know, and then it it just takes that turn. And the previous film did that as well. It just takes a 180 and just goes super dark since the second film. They they've been doing that where the last like 20 minutes is like, "Okay, and fuck you. Here's what the story is actually supposed to be about.
2: Um, As someone who's seen uh exactly one Planet of the Apes movie, I can tell you that one hundred percent of the Planet of the Apes movies that I've seen have had that happen, so uh, yeah, you're correct
0: right so that's that's proof right there, yeah, definitely interesting <laughs> um, a, a couple of other things to note that
1: in the future, cigarettes are no longer deadly,
0: yes, that was nice ah,
1: in the future sports shops, there are just loaded guns in the window. <laughs>
2: Yep. That really threw just me off. Just chilling on. there. Um, so I well, actually, no, wait, uh, were they loaded, though? I'm assuming they
0: were loaded. I'm just
2: going to assume they were loaded. Because,
1: because they, they were loaded.
0: <laughs> at first, I did make that note when we saw that. And I'm like, wait, are these loaded? But then we see that the only ape that's actually shooting is Caesar. So they might not have been loaded. They might have just been grabbing them to whack people with. Hmm.
2: They did buy 100 rounds of ammunition at one point, which I felt was probably not enough for what they were going for.
3: Definitely not.
2: Also, I I did uh, want to follow up on something that we touched on earlier in this. How cheap we decided that the apes were. Oh, yeah. And uh, I actually I looked up the 1991 money. OK. At that point, the eight hundred dollars was fifteen hundred bucks. Right. OK. But this movie didn't come out in 1991. This movie came out in 1972. So in 1972, $800 actually had the buying power of current day, $4,907. So Caesar wasn't that. And that's the starting bid. Yeah, that's the starting bid was about 500 bones. So that means that that entire factory of apes was worth about $50,000. So it was about $307,000. Okay. Yeah. So they are worth it. Yeah interesting <laughs> good research yeah that was don't don't i'm just doing some other research real quick <laughs> that also leads me to believe this this next fact is kind of ridiculous mm-hmm. the apes that were um that were in that factory mm-hmm. they were probably a little bit worth worth a little bit less than caesar was right they knew that Caesar was smart, but it was an early auction. They put him a little bit high. I I would say probably. What What would you say? How much? How many apes do you think is Caesar worth? Like two? Oh my god! Uh, I don't no, know. I'm, I, this is a genuine <laughs> question. By the math of him being worth eight hundred dollars, and then only fifty thousand dollars worth of apes in there, that means there was only sixty apes in the uprising. <laughs> There's only 60. There's only 62 apes in that uprising.
1: (laughs) No, there was more than that.
2: (laughs) No, $50,000 worth of apes is only 62 apes within that facility. But he
0: also had other apes uh, in his underground like section. And then Ah, also other apes, other apes as well from other families and stuff like other societal apes were definitely joining in as well. So maybe just within that one scene, there was about 60. Yeah, he definitely had a larger army
2: and 62 apes yeah
0: yes uh, i want to mention the uh architecture of uh of this film is very odd but as someone who lives in albany new york it looks exactly like the u albany campus yeah 1001 percent, and it is it throws me off every time i'm watching this because i'm like that's just like around the block from me and it looks exactly <laughs> like that I think the U. Albany campus was designed for a hotter climate so I'm assuming that this was filmed out in somewhere within California
3: yes I'm, I'm looking it up actually right now it's it was actually filmed in the uh, at the University of California that makes serious
0: work. yeah, so the u Albany campus was designed for a dry climate weather, and that's why it has like all these giant wind tunnels, and the structures like that is to help mm. wind flow through it. I understand why the structures are like that, but I also get like the weird futuristic vibe that they're going for, yeah, but I also know no, that's just there for winds, mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. throws me off and it th- mm. <laughs> Uh, I just wanted to mention that because it really bothered me.
2: At what point in the movie did Caesar put pants back on? I think they put it on him.
0: Once he was rehabilitated, essentially.
2: Do you think that the only reason that they put pants back on him, do you think that that's the only reason why the other apes listened to him was because they were like, this guy's got pants. Maybe we should listen to him. They all have pants. The the orangutans didn't. In in the cage. They were butt-ass they are butt ass naked
0: in that cage that was when they were being
2: shipped the underground ones did they all have it, pants on
0: yep everyone was wearing outfits all the gorillas were wearing orange the chimps were wearing green and um the orangutans i don't know what color the orangutans were wearing.
2: okay okay but here's another question yellow yellow okay if that makes here's, sense here's a question Okay. These these apes, you like. It's been established in this movie that they have been conditioned, right? They're being conditioned. They they they've been being brought in from the wild and from underground and all that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. You don't think that they would take off the pants once they were free? No, I
0: think. Why? I think in the in the heat of that, because they're literally just breaking out and everything in the heat of that. I think that they would just wear it.
2: Yeah, but they had they had a second at the standoff. Remember when they were like, no, no. Remember when that guy just kept saying no, like like in Austin Powers, yeah. when the guy is about to get steamrolled and it takes about two minutes of him just yep. saying no. And then he gets steamrolled anyway. That is that exactly that scene. You don't think that in the time it took they might they might be like, you know what? It's time to take these pants off. What They're if? Wearing them for...
0: Yeah. What if they liked them?
3: That, you know, yeah, that it may have actually been beneficial for the ape community because once once they conquest, they they wear clothes. You know, they're not yeah. naked apes.
2: Yeah, no, I know that. I know they're not naked apes because eventually they they're like they become the dominant species and all that stuff. But like, is it pockets? Is that why they? <laughs> <laughs> Decided they just to get pockets. They just they, they wanted just pockets, want pockets. And if that's the case, then why didn't they just get fanny packs, dude?
0: Well, they didn't know what 1991 was really going to look like. Which... <laughs> <laughs> like <laughs> no one could have predicted the uprising of fanny of packs.
2: Fanny pack. Dude, I think we just cracked the code. This is it. <laughs> the, the whole reason that the apes wear pants is because they need pockets and they didn't give them fanny packs because they didn't yep. know that they were a thing. Yep. So I that I think what we could agree with and I think that this is actually this is actually kind of a valid point and I know I'm kidding, but I think that this is probably the case is that if this movie was made in nineteen ninety one, I think all the apes would have fucking fanny packs.
1: Dude, they would have visors, they would have fanny packs, they would have all that. Janko jeans, maybe. Uh, No,
2: no, no pants, dude. They got the fanny packs.
1: Look, I will say one thing about this movie is that when it said it took place in 1991 and I didn't see any of the the fashion from 1991,
2: I kept getting really thrown off. (laughs) so disappointed. I was like, nobody wears jackets with no ties in 1981 or 70, whatever it was, 91. They were just all wearing Steve Jobs clothes.
1: Mm. It was just all turtlenecks. It was all black turtlenecks. It was all like really dark colors. Bunch of Nazis. You had the dean from Animal House. That was the governor. That's that's what I'm calling him from now on. The dean uh, from Animal House. Yeah, it was that guy. He he reminded me of that, except more evil.
0: Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. It was a literal animal house. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. It's a madhouse.
1: Because
0: <laughs> Because yeah. they're apes.
2: I know that I I've been joking about the movie a lot, but I will have to, I do say this is that I'm going to make another reference to the prequels of Star Wars movies uh, by saying (laughs) this. I think that in theory and in story and lore, I really like the movie. Uh, I like what they did. I like what they did with the character. I like the self-fulfilling prophecy of Caesar coming in and being like, Hey, I'm, I'm this, I'm this ape Messiah that you tried to stop, but I, but I'm here. Mm Hmm. But in practice, I think it has some flaws, which is which is my opinion of the Star Wars prequels movies. Which I think that they're beautiful, beautiful movie movies in theory, and in practice, they're just heaping piles of shit. But I, that's that's kind of my opinion on this movie. I think that it's like the prequel movies, saved by the performances of its leads, and I mean only Ewan McGregor in that case. But I think Ricardo Montalban and Roddy McDowell really do kill it in the in the in this movie despite the fact that they have no good excuse for wearing pants at the end of the movie and i don't think that you guys have a good reason why they don't either and i'm just going to leave it at that that's my take from this movie. Is that they should have taken the pants off, and I think that they should release the cut in which they took the pants off at the end of the movie. Yeah,
3: you know, I, I do want to just interject real quick. Tim's really harping on the nudity of the apes in these notes, <laughs> they, like two or two or three times. I have something, you know. I have notes about like Tim's expressing a lot of interest in the apes. You know, he's calling them desirable. <laughs> Uh, He has an undeniable attraction to the apes. This is all written in here. Tim's blossoming ape romance grows ever, ever stronger. So
1: I want to bring something up about that, because that is a pretty big theme that in Planet of the Apes 1, 2, and 3. What? where there's at least one scene where somebody's kissing an ape. Ricardo Montalban straight up wants to, wants to fuck the shit out of an ape in in the third one. So Tim, you're kind of falling right in line.
2: You're in good company. I guess. I, I get it.
0: Andrew, right. Am I wrong here? uh i'm gonna sustain from this conversation
2: <laughs> andrew, i want to know no this is listen you want to be a planet of the apes podcast you got to hit the hard hitting <laughs> questions andrew do you think the apes are sexy or not answer the goddamn that's, question that's not even what
1: i was asking him
0: but you just asked him <laughs> that all right guys so i think we've pretty much discussed this film quite a bit <laughs> um, would you guys uh, go back, return to the Planet of the Apes? Would you, would you check out any of the other films? All right,
3: I was actually really thinking that I want to watch two, three, and five now. Okay, you know, cool. You know, I, I grew up watching old monster movies and such, so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, it's it's right up my alley. And the first one I had seen, and it was a classic, but I'd never, I'd never actually gotten into the sequels at all. So I'm actually really interested in checking them out now.
2: Awesome. I think that I agree. I actually, Steve, if you want to start from the beginning, I would actually go back because I haven't seen, like I said, I haven't seen the first Planet of the Apes. So I would watch uh, all those movies and riff with you on them uh, as I am want to do. First one's very good. I wouldn't know. I'd never seen it. Can we watch the Danny Elfman one instead of the first one? Can, is that something that we could do? <laughs> I like how you
0: called it the Danny, the Danny Elfman Elf- one. Don't call it the Danny Elfman one. He's not responsible
2: for that. I'm assuming that he did the music if it's a Tim Burton he movie. did. But... <laughs> okay, so it's the Danny Elfman <laughs> one. So it's the Danny Elfman one. I
3: haven't seen that one, so I'd, I'd be, I I would be open to it. but.
2: So that's, we're going to start, we're going to do, we're going to do the Danny Elfman one, and then we're going to do two, and then three. No, that's. Oh my God.
1: No, that's a bad idea. Just, just watch the Heston one first. and oh, okay. Yeah, really. Like, ser- in all seriousness, watched the original *Planet of the Apes*. I will say to both you and Steve, you could probably skip number two, and jump right to number three, and and uh, then you'll be you'll be in good standing there.
3: Hmm. 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 How would you rank the original five, or at least the original four? We I, we won't get to five yet because that's right. a different podcast. How would you
2: guys um, rank them?
0: I would say it's one, three.
2: Four, two. One, three, four, two. For me, it's uh, the best planet of the <laughs> Apes movie I saw so far was Conquest of the Planet of the Apes because it's the only po- it's the only Planet of the Apes movie that I've seen.
0: That that's a good answer.
3: That's fair. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm gonna have to go with where I'm at too. Uh, like I haven't seen Battle for the Planet of the Apes, so I, I'm I'm in line there with uh, one, three, four, and two. But I have a feeling two is gonna drop right down to the bottom after I watch battle, you think
3: hmm. you think battle will be better than two or you think I, two I might think be more, I think uh,
1: battle is uh, gonna be better than two i'm I'm right up there with battle being better than two.
0: I'm actually really excited. I haven't seen battle in forever, so I really don't remember a lot of Battle.
2: Battle of the planet of the Apes is that the fifth one or is that one of the that's number five yeah, that is number yeah. five uh Battle of the planet of the Apes okay. Is James Franco in that one?
0: <laughs> no. Battle <laughs> of the Planet of the Apes is what year? 74? That is 73. 73.
2: 70, so so the, literally He's the next year. He's not born yet. James yeah. Franco. When was James Franco born? 78. 78. So five years later, James Franco was born. Sorry. No. I'm dumb. Fuck. Yeah. 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 Five years later, Jason. Just... <laughs> I'm very tired. I'm very tired. I've had like my... You did all of this math before and now you just have a And now I just braid for it three to eight. Yeah, 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 Um what I'm what I'm trying to say is you said that the, the Battle of the Planet of the Apes movie, uh, along with Conquest, were kind of the basis for
3: the remake trilogy?
2: Yeah, the Dawn and the War for the Planet of the Apes would you say then that the the proper machete order is Danny Elfman Planet of the Apes 3 and then Dawn and then War um, cuz that's the that's the official order in which I'm going to watch them <laughs> good luck with yeah, that have fun <laughs> have fun with that um i don't i don't know
1: if i yeah. can speak for for andrew on this i'm actually pretty excited that you guys want to take a trip back To the Planet of the Apes, because I would love to be able to talk to you guys again afterwards, after you kind of go through all of it and uh, hear your thoughts on the rest of it.
2: I would actually love that. For sure. Yeah. On the condition that I can watch uh, the first Planet of the Apes movie. You know what? Uh, Not the first one. I actually want to respect the first one. But you said the second one's bad. Yeah. Okay. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I, like, I have just, some just, yes. i have
2: some i have some plans for what i'm gonna do for my viewing of that one that i'll let you know off the podcast so it's a little bit of a surprise when i show up telling you the stupid shit that i just did sounds good all right guys
0: before we before we head out do you guys want to like plug anything where people can follow you online or in real life
2: you can catch joey and i on a podcast on apple podcast that's called public domain players it's a podcast in which we do stories that are in the public domain and turn them into audio dramas. It's directed by a good friend of mine named James Wipert. Right now we're doing Treasure Island, not Treasure Planet, but Treasure Island. So check it out. It's on there. Also, Steve and I made a movie. I don't yeah, know if we can we, still plug that, but yeah, we might as well. a movie. We made a feature film. <laughs> we made a movie called we're like a punk band i don't know if you can find it anywhere or if it exists but it's in it's at it's at festivals
3: it's playing at festivals it just got into the uh what is it called the international new york film festival or something like that how is it international if it's new york (laughs) Uh, the new york
2: international that's i don't know that's the name of
3: it it's happening in okay. New York,
2: but the films going to it are international. Uh, check it out. It's a movie that we made in like 2016, and it's fun. And Steve and I wrote all of the music in it. So we did,
3: yeah. And and
2: I'm not a musician, so that no. Was... Steve is not. That's kind of a joke. <laughs> but yeah, Steve, you have anything else that you want to plug?
3: You know, I was a part of a a short film, 15 minute film. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's called In Between the White Space. It's uh, it's a serious. Uh, It's written and directed by a U.S. Marine vet, and it uh, tackles tough subjects about – it it tackles uh, PTSD and uh, how soldiers are affected once they come home. Uh, I think it's a really – Steve is really great. Thank you. Thank you. I think it's a really, really important message, and I think it's a a really great film, and I'd love for people to get to watch it. It's on YouTube, uh, In Between the White Space, Mendel Films.
2: And if you ever want to see how handsome Steve actually is, you could already tell from his voice. But watch that movie because you'll you'll look at his face and you'll just be like, "Damn!"
3: I also, I mean, this isn't this isn't my <laughs> thing. This isn't anything to do with me. But uh, I want to bring this up just because I thought of it. There's a, uh, I don't know if you you guys must know about this, but if in case you don't, there's a band called the Mummies. They're from the early '90s. Uh, very low fi garage rock, but they have a song called you must fight to live on the planet of the apes. And it's actually a pretty, a pretty kick-ass song. Uh, so you could just find that on YouTube too. I have no, I have nothing yeah. to do with them. That's just me recommending
2: a, a, a cool band and a cool song. Yeah. And last, uh, but not least, I want to thank Doritos for sponsoring me <laughs> for this entire podcast. Uh, Doritos, thank you so much for sponsoring me. I really do appreciate it. I hope that I did the the brand proud. Uh, Every time that I finish a podcast, I immediately open up a bag of Doritos and drink about a liter of Mountain Dew. So, uh, thank you. Thank you to Doritos.
3: Uh, and I'm going to make a, I just want to make a formal apology. Um, I, I was, uh, on Facebook live and I, uh, said I was eating a, a right Twix, but it was really a left Twix. Uh, so yeah. I want to, I want to just uh, that was... apologize to all the viewers out there, all, all the loyal uh people. It's uh, a very my,
2: controversial movie. My
3: actions uh, are indescribable and I'm, I'm surely uh, apologetic for the mistake I made. Uh, and it was s- truly a mistake, but one that I'm going to have to live with uh, the consequences of.
2: Yeah. So. I, th- I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right.
3: Thank you for having us, guys. Thank you for having us. Yeah, this is great.
1: Glad to have you guys. <laughs> I have nothing. I, um... Tim, you forgot to plug our new podcast, "Dueling J. Jonah Jamesons,"
2: in which Joe and I just just uh, <laughs> yell at each other as J. Jonah Jameson uh, and ask each other for pictures of Spider Man.
3: I would like to be a guest on that. Uh, I don't want to, sure.
2: I don't want anything about the Planet of the Apes. I want pictures of Spider Man. Steve, we can't have you on
3: there.
1: It's just the two of us, and if you bring pictures of Spider Man, we'll be happier.
0: That was awesome. So those guys were really great and a lot of fun to have on. I hope you guys really enjoyed that. And again, as always, a huge shout out to Louie Aronowitz for our amazing theme song. Again, you can follow him on his website, louiearonowitz.com, and book him because he is awesome. If you want to follow us online, you can always follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Major
2: Plot Flaw.
1: And you can follow me at Voices by Joe on both Twitter and Instagram. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Pod Planet of Apes.
0: Yeah, so please give us a like, give us a follow, and enjoy some of our content. And as always, guys, we're gonna sign out with our classic catchphrase, you human bastards. Yes? That one was actually really good.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs>